Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. Episode number 19 coming at you today. Um, The Sacred City Life Podcast, if you don't know, it's about following Jesus in the normal, everyday rhythms of life. And what I want to cover on today's podcast is specifically directed to fathers. And if I had to title it, I would say, Fathers, Disciple Your Kids. That's what I'm going to be talking about this morning, how fathers are called by God to disciple their kids. What does that look like? Um, We're going to really kind of look at this topic just by looking at Proverbs chapter 23. So in a sense, it's going to be a little bit of a study in in the 23rd chapter of the book of Proverbs. So if you if you're listening, I'm going to read the scriptures out loud. If you're driving in your car or something, you can't uh, sit down with your Bible and open it up. I understand that's cool, but if you maybe are listening to this in the morning or at night and you can get away, you can open up your Bible. You will be helped by highlighting some things, underlining some things. Um, it's my desire in the new year to memorize more proverbs, to to memorize more, um, to help me parent, to help me be a godly man. And, uh, and so I've been spending a lot of time studying in the, in the book of Proverbs, so hope it's going to be a help to you today. And uh, just to note, if you are a young man or a man who doesn't have a kid, doesn't have any children, this is still going to be beneficial to you. You're just going to have to work with your application. And ladies, if you're listening, don't tune out. This isn't just information for your husband. This is information for you. This week, I listened to I listened to a Risen Motherhood podcast that was really beneficial to my soul, even though I'm not a mother. And so I think you're going to find some help here in maybe helping your husband along in his calling by God to disciple your children. And also, uh, it's a partnership. So you got, we're working together to disciple our kids. And so some of this stuff is going to really work for you as well and be, uh, speak to you as well. Um, so we're talking about the discipleship of our children. And we're talking about this, men, it's important for us to remember that we are called to be the chief discipler of our kids. Um, that it, this is not th- something we can farm out to our wife or to a babysitter or to a school system or to um, an after-school program. Men are called to lead and shepherd their homes. We're called to disciple our children in the fear and an ad- admonition of the Lord. This is our responsibility, not our wives. And so um, it's our job to know what's going on in the home. It's our job to um, be the chief disciple maker of our children. Uh, but, you know, if you're like me, I had a godly mom, I had a godly father, and yet they didn't really understand how to biblically disciple their children. They did a lot of things right, they did some things wrong, um, but it, they didn't really have a biblical framework for discipling their kids. And so um, I grew up without one, so I've had to figure it out kind of on my own. And um, that's not a, a great way to learn things, figuring out things on your own. So what it's caused me to do, I've had to read a lot of books, I've had a find a lot of mentors. I've had a lot, ask a lot of questions to a lot of guys that are older than me. And it's like, what does it look like to be a godly husband? What does it look like to be a godly father? How do I do this thing about raising kids? Well, and raising kids with the gospel at the center. And um, <clears throat> Douglas Wilson and his book, uh, Standing on the Promises, has been really helpful for me. I'm going to quote him a few times today. And uh, But first, let me just jump into... Um, Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to look at three things, three important things when it comes to discipling our kids. The first is going to be the importance of the heart. 
The second is going to be the importance of instruction and teaching. And the third is going to be the importance of discipline, all from Proverbs 23. So first we're going to look at the importance of the heart. Uh, Chapter 23, verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to the words of knowledge. Verse 15 through 17. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being, my heart, my guts will exult when your lips speak what is right. Verse 19. Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Verse 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my way. This is unique. Uh, the, uh, the writer of this proverb is telling us that the heart is important when we're discipling our children, when we're trying to teach them, when we're trying to um, educate them. That education is meant to be uh, a shaper of what we love. So our education isn't just about filling heads with knowledge. Education, training, instruction, parenting, discipling is about shaping what we love. That our heart is really one of the most important things about us. And when we when the Bible talks about heart, it doesn't mean just this thing is pumping blood in my chest. It means the chief part of who I am, the core of what it means to be a human, what it where I desire, where I love, where I crave, where I want. Um, that the heart is the center of all of my affections, and it really determines my behavior. What my heart looks like, out of my heart flows the issues of life. Out of my heart flows the words that I speak. And so parenting has to be based upon what's going on in the heart of my child, and I have to be aware of what's going on in the heart of my child. So how, how, do you, how do you do that? What does that exactly mean, to be aware of what's going on in the heart of a child? Well, for me, one, that means I'm always kind of observing where my kids' affections are at. What's, what do they desire? What are they wanting? What are they being kind of turned on or enticed by? Um, I have to be guarding the influences of the world that's coming into their heart. Um, I have to be protecting them from pornography on the internet, protecting them from vulgar uh, vulgarity on TV shows uh, and, and in music. And so I, I can't just let my kids listen to the radio. I can't just let my kids have an unfiltered access to a tablet or, or a phone or Netflix, that I have to put uh, guardrails and guidelines on it, or I'm neglecting my role as a parent. And I might be taking my kids to all the church functions, and yet ignorant of what's going on in their heart, and therefore I am um, not doing a good job of discipling my kids. Now, another way I personally go about figuring out what's in the heart of my children is once every quarter— I take each child on a personalized date. So I just take one kid out, just me and them, whatever. It's nothing big, nothing expensive. Maybe we're getting coffee. Maybe we're getting pancakes. Maybe we're getting ice cream. But we're going to be at least an hour sitting face-to-face talking about their life, what's going on in their life, what's making them really happy, what are they excited about, what, what's making them sad, what are they afraid of. I'm draw- And I'm drawing all this stuff out. And the purpose is I'm trying to draw out what's in their heart, to discern how best to disciple them in the future. Out of these situations, I kind of craft personalized discipleship plans, nothing super formal, but 
um, personalized discipleship plan for each child. So maybe I'm working, I'm going to start talking about envy because I can tell in one of my daughters, she's being very envious. Or we're going to start talking about gossip because she's experiencing all this gossip at school or whatever it is. Or if it's uh, working on discipline or working on uh, 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 creating a strong, strong willpower and doing hard things. We're, I'm going to see this. I'm going to, I'm going to discern it. I'm going to talk to my wife about it, get kind of confirmation, see if she's in agreement. And then we're going to start working to, to disciple that child in that specific way. And all of our children, even though we're kind of parenting the same way, all of our child, children are responding to our parenting in different ways. So it's important not to treat them like a pack, but treat them as individual souls and find out what's going on in their heart. Now, this is also, you know, it should cause us to think through the way that, you know, every influence we bring in our child's life can be affecting their heart and their desires. And so it just shows us the importance of being able to um, counter those, to be able to educate through those, to be able to talk about why they're feeling what they're feeling. And, uh, and the whole goal here is to get to our child's heart. Um, but we don't just get to our heart, get to our child's heart through, you know, asking good questions and, and, and things like that. There's other ways to get to our child's heart. And one is through instruction and through teaching. And so that's the next point here, the importance of instruction and teaching. Let's go back to our proverb, Proverb 23, verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction. So we want our kids to desire to be instructed. Now, most of the time they don't. A fool wants to do what's right in his own eyes. A fool wants to go their own way. So we're trying to shape their heart to desire instruction. Your ear to words of knowledge. So we want our kids' ears to be attuned to, to words of knowledge. That's, that's wisdom, right? That's instruction and teaching. Verse 19, hear my son, hear my son and be wise. Wisdom comes partially through hearing. They have to listen, right? To, and direct your heart in the way. How can I direct your heart? How can we shape your heart? By listening. Listen to wise teaching. Listen to instruction. Verses 22 through 23. Again, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I, So first off, we should never be ashamed to say, listen to me. Listen. Parents, you know, our kids are set against wisdom. They're fools in their own, in their own eyes and in their own ways. And sometimes we have to say, listen, don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. Listen to my advice. And I love this verse 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Well, how do you buy wisdom? How do you buy instruction? Well, there's a lot of different ways. One, uh, he's talking about books here. He's literally talking about spending our money, spending our resources to buy teaching, to buy training. Well, how do we do that? Well, one, you, you need to buy a good Bible. You need to have a study Bible. You need to have a Bible sitting at the kitchen table that you can, um, or the dining room table where you can instruct, or maybe a catechism book where you can instruct and teach your children in the way that your children need content to shape their heart around God their chief, their chief end, right? Our chief end is to love and worship God. And so we have to instruct our kids how to love God. Well, how do we do that? Through God's word, right? Um, now, uh, Senator Ben Sass, the senator from uh, Nebraska, he says, every family should have a five by five bookcase uh, in their house filled with the books that, that point a person to the good life, 
Okay, what does that mean? We want to have a, a bookshelf filled with books that a, a child can go to at different ages and age appropriate and all that and pull a book off and it's going to be a good book that shapes their soul, that points them towards goodness, truth, and beauty and, and, and God in some, in some way. So that means you should have, I, I'm thinking all your bookshelf should be filled with the Bible, several different versions, kids' versions, teens' versions, you know, study Bibles, um, Psalms, Proverbs, things like that. It should be filled with biographies, good biographies, age-appropriate biographies. They've got biographies from little kids all the way up, you know, as mature as you want to read them. You can read 1,200-page tomes of uh, MacArthur and all, you know, um, Winston Churchill and all these different things. Um, it should be filled with good nonfiction books, books on the fruit of the Spirit, books on love, books on theology, books on um, uh, being a teenager, books on whatever, just good nonprofit, uh, nonprofit, nonfiction books. And it should be filled with fiction books as well. You know, you should have Lord of the Rings uh, on your bookshelf. You should have Harry Potter on your bookshelf. You should have, you know, some classics, uh, maybe by Homer on your bookshelf or Moby Dick. Um, or um, maybe Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and be able to talk through those. You should have some good fiction that points your kids maybe towards the right and maybe some examples of the wrong, Beowulf, things like that. You should have those. So you should have this, this bookshelf in your home. And dads, you're the one who, you're the curator of that bookshelf. You, you need to go, you know, maybe you have to ask your wife's permission on the, the design of the bookshelf, right? The color, the make, the model, whatever she wants, fine. Let her do that if that's her thing. But you determine the books that are on that thing. Start buying good books and filling up that bookshelf. And if you didn't weren't raised like this and you're not a reader, start buying them. And here's the deal. If you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read, maybe you work in a factory. You don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. You've got long hours. But maybe you can listen to podcasts here and there or you can listen to books on tape. Buy the Audible version and buy the real book version. Put the real ver version on that shelf. Listen to the Audible version. When your kid asks you, Dad, have you read this book? You can say, absolutely, I've read that book. Great book or terrible book, but you need to read that book. And you could be an example to your children. Now, secondly, the importance of instruction and in teaching is just in our education, period. Um, we as Christian parents um, must understand that education is meant to shape what we love. It is not just, uh, we're not brains on a stick where you just pour in information. And our educational system is meant to shape what we love. Um, and so you have to ask yourself, what is the school that I'm going to send my kid? What are they trying to shape my children? What, what loves are they trying to shape in my children? The love of um, self, the love of, the, the love of you know, the world, the love of worldly values, um, the love of you know, the idolatry of money right? The idolatry of success, the idolatry of quote-unquote inclusion. Um, we have to analyze this and think about this, that our public school system are trying to shape our kids to love something other than God. And therefore, if we are going to put our kids in a public school system, we have to shape and counterbalance and do a lot of work to oppose those, for uh, those forces in our kids. Um, they are being inculturated in the school system to love certain values, to love certain things other than God. And so we're going to have to work double time outside of the, the school time to shape the love of God, the love of God's word, the love of humility, 
uh, the love of service, the love of God's people into our people. And that is not going to be easy. Um, this is one of the reasons why we want to, we, we send our kids to Morningstar, even though we can't afford it. And it's super, you know, it's kind of difficult for us and it requires a lot of sacrifice. Uh, it's a classical Christian education that is in line with teaching our kids to love God. It's teaching our kids to love truth and beauty and goodness. And so they're working with us and not against us. And so we think it's vitally important uh, for our, because education is meant to shape our loves, okay? Third, preaching. We want our kids in preaching, whether that is in, in kids' ministry when they're younger or in the gathering. We want gospel-centered preaching, teaching, sending our kids to the sacred to the youth where they're getting good gospel content and they're being shaped their hearts are being shaped through instruction by more than just us. We want teachers to partner with us, preachers to partner with us, pastors to partner with us in the shaping of our children. Podcasts are important. You can find all kinds of podcasts to help instruct your kids. And uh, look at this one in verse 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Or I have a little footnote in my ESV, that word observe also means to delight in. Now, this is convicting as a parent, as a father. The, the writer of this proverb is saying one of the most important aspects of instruct, instructing and teaching our children to love rightly is to say this, watch me. Just like the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, the, the writer here is saying, I want you to delight in watching me. I want you to delight in following my personal example. My son, give me your heart. Let your eyes observe or delight in my ways. What does that mean? That means this father is practicing what he's preaching. And men, I do not mean to heap guilt on you at all, but I want to call us to a higher standard. We need to be waking up and reading our Bibles. We need to be praying for our children and our wife and our missional communities and our pastors and our friends and our community. We need to be reading good books, all types of books, many books a year. We need to be listening to podcasts. We need to be growing ourselves in wisdom and, and in learning. We need to be an example to our children. Uh, that we are humble enough to say, I don't have it all figured out, and I'm constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly asking the Father to reparent me and to refather me and to instruct me in the way that I should go. And then we should have the boldness and the backbone and the godly courage to say, Son, follow my example. And that could be in all, all avenues of life, the way I parent, the way that I love my wife, the way that I lead the family, the way that I make sure that we're going to church and, you know, uh, and the way that I'm making disciples and the way that I'm on mission and the way that I'm taking care of my body, the way that I'm leading on, in our finances, Father, Son, follow my example. Now, <clears throat> um, I want to read a, a quote from uh, the Standing on the Promises. It says this, and I'm going to say specifically to the fathers, Quote, as we bring up our children, we should descend to their level in one sense. That's humility. In order to lead them to our level, that's maturity. This is not the same as descending to their level, immaturity, in order to lead them to our level, pride. We must be servants to our children. We must not cater to them. 
One of the central problems with bringing up children in our day is the constant temptation to underestimate their capacities. We teach them profane and irreverent little ditties, not psalms and hymns. We give them moralistic little stories, not biblical doctrine and ethics. We expect them to act as though they have no brains or souls until they have graduated from college. We aim at nothing and we hit it every time. Um, when, when we're talking about our kids, our kids, can they can grasp things that we don't think they can grasp. Teach them Proverbs. Teach them Psalms. Um, don't be afraid of that. They don't just have to read Dr. Seuss books. Um, teach them Lord of the Rings. Uh, teach them the Narnia series. Read that to them. They can grasp things. Teach them biblical doctrine. Work through the catechism with them, even at a young age. It's going to be good for you, and it's, and it's also going to be good. It's going to be good for you, and it's also going to be good for them. All right, now, um, lastly, I want to look at the importance of discipline. Now, why one of the reasons discipline is so important is because our children come into this world as immature and foolish. And so it takes discipline to drive that foolishness out of the child. That's what Proverbs teaches us. Specifically, I want to read um, verses 13 and 14, and this is probably a hot-button topic. Might get me in trouble. It says this. All of this, again, is from Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. You will save his soul from Sheol. Now, I want to read another quote here really quick. Listen to this. If the child, this is from page 131 in Doug Wilson's book. If a child is undisciplined, unconfessed sin is accumulating and weighing him down. Now, in my home, when a child is being disrespectful, dishonoring their parents, dishon- you know, being rude to their, their children, uh, they're in a, they wake up in a bad mood and you can tell the sin has started early. If that sin goes unconfessed and undisciplined, that child is just gets further and further out of control and they get meaner and angrier and the sin just compounds. Now, listen to this. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 says this, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, if parents do not discipline they're letting the weight of sin accumulate on their children. If there is a context of love, the, the bigger the pile of sin gets, the more the child is going to feel out of fellowship with his parents, disconnected from his parents. You're going to be more angry, more disappointed in them. They're, they're going to feel more alienated from their brothers and sisters. Why? Because that's what sin does. But when the child is disciplined, the sin is dealt with and then there is joy. So Proverbs 23, first off, it says, obviously, that spanking a child, uh, bringing physical punishment to a child, it's not going to kill the child. We're, we're not, this is not physical abuse. Um, this is discipline, right? And this is what we're called to do um, for our children. Now, just to be really clear, and this is one of the most convicting things, um, we are to discipline our children we're not to provoke them to anger, uh, Ephesians says, fathers. And that means we have to discipline our children 
um, calmly. Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now what that means is we are not to discipline our children in anger. And I know that's really difficult. Um, Let me quote Wilson to you here. A husband and wife must, through example and words, see that discipline is for the benefit of the children and not for the one disciplining. So I am not disciplining because I'm mad. I am not disciplining because I am upset because um, they have inconvenienced me or they have sinned against me, right? The children must understand this principle as well. Consequently, in the home, it is wrong to allow discipline that is not entirely calm. Now, that is really convicting to me. Um, When my kids sin against my wife, they disrespect her, um, that makes me angry. And I can get heated and I can want to discipline right now in the moment. And I might not be able to. One, my wife might be the one that has to discipline if she's not angry or riled up. Or two, I might have to send them to their room for a little bit until I can calm myself down and get in a clear head and discipline out of love and calmness, a calm spirit in control of my spirit and not out of anger. Now, that also means that most of the time, a quick you know, swat or a quick yank or a quick grab are inappropriate for the parent. The parent needs to have their spirit under control and not be reacting in discipline. Uh, they must be in control of their spirit when they are disciplining. Now, um, Douglas Wilson gives four quick rules when it comes to disciplining our kids, um, and I think they're really helpful, um, really simple, really sim- simple, and and really helpful. Um, parents, now listen, I know parenting is exhausting. If you've worked all day and then you come home to disobedient kids, the last thing you want to do is discipline. But this is why um, it's hard for us. It's it's actually disciple a discipleship issue in our own hearts that we have to love God more than we love our own comfort. When we're disciplining our children, we have to love them more than we love our own comfort. And so we're disciplining them because they've broken God's rules. And why is... Why is um, well, let me, I'm not going to go there because it's going to give away one of the points. So let me, let me just jump into this. First, we just talked about it. Four basic rules. One, never spank in anger. Don't discipline for your sake, but rather for the child's. The discipline should be judicial and calm. This is one area where high standards helps. High standards means that you will discipline when you are not emotionally close to the edge. If you only discipline when your kids are guilty of some outrage... It is harder to control your anger. The second, discipline must be painful. It must not inflict damage. So use a flat wooden spatula. (laughs) I love it. Uh, That's what we use. Uh, Or actually, we have like a rubber plastic spatula that works the best because it's got the perfect amount of whip to it. Uh, but it covers a wide enough area that it doesn't do any damage. It doesn't cause it. never causes marks or anything like that. At the same time, it must inflict pain, memorable pain. Don't spank over diapers. Don't spank with a little tap, tap, tap. Teach your wife to flick her wrist when she spanks and teach her to think sting. There are many parents who go through the motions of spanking, but they're not really spanking. How can you tell? 
by whether or not the child's behavior changes. Now listen, why should we inflict pain? And this is why um, I, I'm not a big fan of timeouts. Timeouts, you're, you're, dis, you're distancing your, the child emotionally from the family. You're kind of inflicting emotional pain. Um, I can kind of understand it in some ways. Um, but one, a child left to themselves usually gets more angry and more bitter and more frustrated and more isolated. And I don't think that's, that's uh, wise or a loving thing to do to a child. Um, why do we inflict pain? Well, primarily because sin always brings pain. The consequences of sin is death. And we want our children to correlate their sin with pain. Because ultimately, if they don't repent of their sin, confess their sin to God, embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they're going to experience um, extreme physical pain in hell. And that's what Scripture teaches. So we want to correlate that with our children. We also want our children to know that if they obey their parents, it will go well for them. If they disobey their parents, it will not go well for them. And when they're 16 and they think disobeying their parents is no big deal, and they, they drink and they drive and, and they kill someone or kill themselves, they've inflicted, their sin has caused physical pain. So we want them early and often to associate sin with physical pain. Now, not abuse. That's, I shouldn't even have to say that. Now, what's the, what's the third thing? So first, never spank in anger. Second, discipline must be painful. Um, and I'll just say right away, this is up to a certain age. If you discipline your child well, you should, you should not need spanking later on. Um, my son, he's 12. I don't think I've spanked him in a year and a half. Um, now he, he gets it, and I do ground him from certain things. Um, but um, for the most part, he's well-behaved enough that, I, that I, I haven't needed a spanking in about a year and a half. Uh, third thing, spanking should be a time of instruction. I want you to hear that. So we're, we're, we're called to shape our children's heart. We're called to instruct them by teaching an example and giving them good books and the Bible. But spanking is also a way to drive instruction and teaching into the heart of a child through his bottom, through his physical body. You're driving the teaching into his heart. The child should know what the offense was. We don't just, we're not, uh, we never spank for things that are like, I don't really understand what happened here. So two children are fighting. They both have a different story. We're not Solomon. We can't say split the baby in half. Like we don't understand. I can't spank both children for this because one of them, either they're both right and they're both kind of partially right. And I can't discern. I can't spank a child for that. I only spank a child over clear sin disobeying their parents, dishonoring their mother, lying, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so they have to know specifically what their offense was, what their sin was, and what the Bible teaches against that offense. So the Bible says, obey your father and mother so it will go well for you. So my kids say that before I spank them. What does the, I say, what does the Bible say? They say, obey your, ch- your father and mother so it will go well for you. I said, did you obey your mother? No, I didn't. What did you do? I hit my sister, I, whatever. Okay. They know specifically that they're breaking uh, God's law, and that's why they're getting disciplined. I say things like, I don't like to discipline you. I don't enjoy spanking you. This is painful for me. This hurts me too. They have to know they are not being spanked because they got on your nerves. 
They have to understand that or they have a sense of injustice in their heart and they'll know the only reason I'm getting spanked is because I annoyed mom or dad. I got on their last nerve. I frustrated them. I tripped and spilled my milk. We don't spank over accidents. We don't spank over just immaturity. We spank when they break God's law. And lastly, so one, spank, never spank in anger. Two, discipline must be painful. Three, spanking should be a time of instruction. And four, when the spanking is over, there must be a full restitution of fellowship. Now, this is huge. When I'm done spanking my child, I tell them, I hope this is the last time I ever have to spank you. I hug them. They're usually crying. I hug them. I tell them I love them. I say, what do you need to say? They say, I'm sorry, dad. Will you please forgive me? I say, absolutely. I forgive you because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And so you are forgiven. So the child should be loved and held until the crying is over. Never send your child away angry. Never send your child away crying. Then you should pray with him. It should be fixed in his mind that God has used the spanking to cleanse him. That there's absolution here. They are forgiven and the subject is closed. Now, this is, these are like four simple rules of discipline. And fathers, it is our job to oversee that this is happening. So if we maybe are, are gone at work and our parent and our wife has is having to discipline him, we, we need to walk and talk with her about this is the process to go through. Now, it's sometimes it's completely okay for her to not be able, maybe she's angry, she's frustrated, she can't do this, so she waits until you get home. And that means you have to be prepared to walk into the door, step into that chaos and bring order out of chaos and bring the children to the bedroom and spank them. That's that's the other thing. So I take my children off into private. I have a paddle on my dresser. They they bend over my knee. They submit to my authority and my rule. I do not wrestle them. I do not hold them down. The first time I spanked my children, actually the first dozen times I spanked my children when they were two, three years old, um, it took hours sometimes to make them to submit to my authority and lay themselves over my knee and submit them to, to God's authority that they'd sinned against God and now they must receive discipline. And and now there's there's no fight. There's no wrestle. They, they lay over it. And I usually do two swats, um, two to four. Most of the time, two, if you get the right, you know, sting, um, you bring the tears, you bring the pain with just two swats, and it's over. And then you get to bring correction and bring comfort and bring love. And this is a mimic. This is a vis- visible picture of the gospel that, that when we sin, it brings pain and yet through pain, there is redemption. Now, it's either our pain, and, and no discipline seems right when we're going through it. The Lord still brings discipline to us. The Lord still brings pain into our life, sometimes physical through physical ailments, sometimes relational, sometimes emotional, financial. He still disciplines us for our good through physical pain. And also it points to the gospel. So sometimes when I'm disciplining my children, I get through the whole thing and I won't spank them. Instead, now this is very rare. I'll say, I'll make them confess their sin. I'll make them admit it. And then I'll say, guys, today, Jesus took your punishment. The gospel tells us Jesus was crucified for our sins, that he took our place. And so today, because of your rebellion, because of your sin, because of your disobedience, Jesus took that on himself on the cross. And so today you get mercy. 
And it's just a, one little example to teach mercy, to teach grace. Now, you, your kids are smart. You know what they're going to say next time? Give me mercy. Dad, Jesus died on the cross for me. Yes, he did, but there's still discipline. The father disciplines those he loves. And son, I discipline you because I love you. And the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And so I'm disciplining you. I'm bringing correction because I want you to love wisdom. I want you to love instruction. I want you to love God's word and God himself. And so I'm going to drive that foolishness far from you. So men, this is a high calling for us. Um, I want us to desire it. I want us to, and you know what? When you set the bar high, you fail often. And so I have to repent to my children often. I have to go to my own children and say, son, I disciplined you in anger. Son, I lashed out in you in anger. I lost my temper. I sinned against God. And I sinned against God by sinning against you. Will you forgive me? Uh, I had to do it last week at a wrestling tournament with my son. After a match, he was kind of complaining and whining and uh, because he lost a match and he was blaming it on a lot of things and I lost my cool. And uh, I had to cool myself down and I had to repent to him. And I had to say, son, I'm sorry. That's not the way God's called me to treat you. It's not the way God's called me to speak to you. Um, I made it about me and not about you. Um, and I had to own my sin and confess it. And that's humbling. So man, I pray that this was helpful. Again, we're wanna be, we wanna be focusing on the heart of our children. Um, in a, in a sense, you could say this is heart, head, hands, right? Focusing on the heart, making sure they got the right information in their head and their hands, their will, their bodies. We're, we're making sure we're disciplining their bodies and we're trying to get to their heart through their head and through their hands. And this is the way God speaks to uh, us as fathers to lead and to disciple your children. Men, I pray that you would pick up... Um, this standard, you'd pick up this burden, you would carry it well, you would lead your wife in this, and you would lead, lead your family in this. And if you've got any questions, email me, um, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. I'd love to answer the questions here on the podcast. I really hope this was helpful for you. Uh, I'm praying for you, I'm cheering for you. Um, you can do it. And you know what? I, fathers, we're called to raise some dangerous kids. Um, psalmist says that our kids are supposed to be like arrows in our quiver. Arrows are meant to be shot out. They're meant to have a target and be aimed and shot out. We want to raise kids, not just kids that are nice, not just kids that are, that, that, you know, come out of high school Christians or come out of college Christians. That's such a low bar. We want our kids to love God and do a dent in the kingdom of Satan. We want our kids to build the kingdom of God. We want our kids to be, uh, fighters for the truth and, workers for good and justice and lovers and creators of the beautiful. We want our kids to go out and make a huge impact in the world. And we are um, responsible for shaping what they love. Do they love beauty? Do they love goodness? Do they love truth? Men, let's, let's do what's in our power, praying to God every day to do what's not in our power, and that's to ultimately change their heart, give them saving faith, give them the Holy Spirit, and enable them to believe the gospel. So I pray this was encouraging to you. Um, I love you guys all. Uh, do the thing. It would really helpful, be really helpful for us if you would do the thing on Facebook and, and Instagram and, um, and in your podcast app. Like us, share us, get some more people to hear our content. We're going to be putting it out at least every month. Um, God bless you guys, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>